From old school to new, from analytics to your gut feeling, and from nuance to a blistering hot take, Cleve, Dave, and Maddie Ice present to you Political Football. The Patriots are frauds. Welcome back to Political Football. It is the playoff edition. We are finally here and for the first time we're on video. So Cleve, Dave, welcome back to the show. Uh, how you guys doing? I'm pissed. Cleve, how are you? Cleve is starting the show on mute. That is an excellent start to the show. <laughs> this is fantastic. Cleve, how you doing, buddy? I'm hey, doing New York sports fan, get it together over there. I'm doing pretty good, man. I, uh, I, I have to admit, I watched some highlights because I didn't want us to watch every game and you guys will be able to tell which games because when Dave asked me a question, I'm going to be there in the headlights like Kyler Murray, but um, oh, oh, too soon. Too yeah, soon. I don't know. Maybe, ask, ask Cliff or Kyler. Maybe it'll be too soon. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't good. That's really? what I that, That's what I have to say about that. Yeah, so super wildcard weekend. I found this to be a complete misnomer. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but the, the games, for the most part, there was a lot of blowouts. And I just felt like they tried to amp it up because there's more games, but it's it's still the wild card weekend. How'd you guys feel about that? So, I mean, it's fine. I think that adding the seventh team and taking away one of the buys makes the end of the regular season more exciting. The trade-off is that we get a couple teams just getting their asses handed to them on uh, on this weekend. But that's that's okay. I mean, who cares? One more week in there, and and they're out. The thing I thought that was so amazing is that somehow there were no NFL players in COVID protocol. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was just me, and I was like, mm, maybe I missed something, or maybe there is a guy, but I just don't know who it is. It is not just you. Trust me, it is not just you. By the way, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can find all of our social media handles, and that includes you, Dave, whenever you go back and watch the video at the bottom of the screen here. So in case you want to find us, either in the podcasting world or in social media, you can find it there. So Dave, I've got you covered from here on out, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. I, that's good because I don't. I'm not sure. I remember what my social media handles are, but uh, there you go. I'll uh, I'll get in there. I'll get in there and find it. So, did you guys happen to see uh, the meme? Speaking of teams that shouldn't have been there, and it was uh, a boardroom full of dudes and Big Bird, and it said what the Steelers looked like in the playoffs. I, I thought that was pretty fantastic. Man, I didn't see that. Wow, <laughs> that's <laughs> fucking brutal. The, the memes have been amazing. So. Why don't we just jump right into it? Because I think we're going to spend most of our time probably on two games and the rest are just bye weeks, as as I pointed out uh, to, to begin the show. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get going back here. We'll start with the game that happened first. It's the Raiders 19 at the Bengals 26. Uh, just because it's going to be sort of a theme for the week, I want to point out that the Bengals threw the ball early and often to Jamar Chase. He had three catches on the first drive. So it's good to throw the ball to your best wide receiver. I'm just saying. Yes, Dallas. Uh, the biggest play in this game was actually in the uh, first quarter, a strip sack of Derek Carr on his own 15-yard line. That was actually the turning point in the game. Aside from that one play, this game was pretty even. The Bengals had to settle for multiple field goals in the red zone, despite the Raiders having a legendarily poor red zone defense. They've given up 35 touchdowns and 43 red zone attempts to their opponents this year. So this was a good win for Cincinnati. I mean, it's their first win, as noted last week, in the text message era. I don't think Cincinnati actually looked that great. And if I was Tennessee coming into this week, I'd be very excited about how they looked. 
Me too. Same. Now, we did have a game theory situation that came up here where, once again, Cleve and I were kind of talking past each other in the in the text thread. So I'm going to set it up here for the listeners in case you didn't see it. Um, the Bengals got the ball on their own 30, up 26 to 19 with three minutes and 30 seconds to go. The Raiders only had one timeout, and of course, they had the two-minute warning. The Bengals chose to run, run, and then throw a little dump-off pass to make sure it's complete, but no hope of getting the first down, uh, which took the clock to two minutes and made the Raiders use their one timeout. My question is, would the Bengals have been better off just passing from the start? And like, for real, like just coming out and passing downfield like it was a regular drive in the second quarter in that position? So, my, and this is, this is like the, not the analysts in me but sports person you know you if you're gonna bomb to the end zone right and you, and you got the weapons that you have in in chase um and mixing stuff like that you can hope for a pi and get a little closer and maybe set something up there but you and i were yeah we were talking pat because we were kind of saying the same thing more or less but we were kind of like circling well we were we were discussing like how many first downs they needed to end the game yeah, and and all I was saying is that they couldn't end the game with a four and out or a five and out. Like if they got Correct. first yes. down on first or second down, they still couldn't end the game with then what would end up being one first down and then having to give the ball back. So my thought was that they may as well throw the ball because it's more effective. It's what they're better at, and they should just do that and play their offense because that's more likely to get them more first downs or further down the field or something like that. So like specifically for the Bengals in this case, my argument is just that I think it's a better idea to go play real offense. Also, you're only up seven, so getting more points is very valuable. Yeah, and, and I understood that part of your take when you said that on, off, offline. What I was saying is um, – or what I was generally saying is that with them only having the one timeout, the Raiders and the two minute warning was coming up. If you can, if you can successfully get the ball, um, well, sorry, get the clock to the two minute warning, then they're going to have to burn their timeout at like the one fifty. Oh, I'm sorry, one fifty mark or whatever it is. Now they they can't stop. They can't stop the clock at all at that point. And you're right. You're only up seven points. If you're up comfortably fourteen or or more or eleven or whatever, then yeah. You know, dick around, but uh, with passing interceptions and, and and running fumbles. So I said to you on the um, on the feed, I said, "Would you rather a fumble or an interception here?" Well, obviously, you don't want to turn the ball over pretty much ever. Correct. Um, that's actually, I'm actually going to uh, make that into a T-shirt and give it to Kyler Murray. But you <laughs> you don't want to turn the ball over ever. So in this situation, it would all be bad because they'd have a chance to turn to come back a win. But punting is turning the ball over. It's yes. just when you voluntarily choose to do and Correct. you do it way down the field. And so the way they played, they played to punt the ball back with two minutes to go with the Raiders having no timeouts. And I feel like an NFL offense with two minutes, even with no timeouts, it is fine. You know, it's not like a super crunch awful they can never do it situation and the Raiders did get the ball all the way down the field they mm-hmm. had a fourth and goal and Raider Raider Derek Carr threw a pass short of the short of the goal line anyways well and you know given most of our banter took place off you know offline um, we were texting each other during the games which we always do uh, I predicted the the interception that was going to come and I think we all agreed that you play the back of the end zone on the edges because um, 
their tight end could probably out jump everyone in the stadium. So yes. a 50, 50, a 50, 50 ball to the, to the edge, probably. Right. And if you don't get it, you, you could draw the PI, but I'm never a fan of attacking the front of the end zone in a clutch moment. I just, I don't know why I'm not that guy. I mean, a la the Patriots uh, Seahawks um, Super Bowl where hard slant or whatever the play was when Marshawn Lynch is like literally running the ball across Texas. Uh, he, can <laughs> run, he, can, he can run it in. So don't get me started with that game. But uh, it shows that they did not fear the Raiders. They did not fear them. Giving them two minutes, like you said, you give some teams two minutes. You give the the Ravens at full throat two minutes. You give Kyler Murray two minutes, two four minutes. I mean, they can run the. Well, we're going to discuss what happened when Aaron Rodgers got thirty seven seconds earlier this year. It's going to to be important to what's going to what's coming up this coming week. But Matt, I want to ask you in this situation: Would you have preferred? Let's say you were a Bengals fan. They say that you would you have preferred them trying to pass and get first downs to just play their offense or just kind of be resigned to the fact they're going to kill the clock to two minutes and give the ball back? Well, can't you do both? Can't you run your offense, get a first down, get it to the two minute warning, right? You try to be aggressive to get that and you get, I mean, you have to trust your offense to be able to get a first down. You're trusting them earlier in the game. Why the hell aren't you going to trust them here? And then you maybe can be a little bit more conservative and try to get them to use their timeout, you know, stuff like that. Like once you get them to use their timeout, it, the clock is in your favor, and so you yep. need to think about it in that in that way. So I think the two of you were both right in what you were trying to accomplish is you want to work the clock, but you want to do it at a different time. So like trying to run the clock at the very beginning, getting them to use their timeout right away, it now puts you as the offense at a disadvantage because you know they're going to play the run, and then you're a third and long, and the, the odds of getting a third and long are a lot less than it would be, say, third and manageable. Even if they pass two times and it's like third and two, that's manageable but they ended up having a third and not manageable. And so it's a give up play to begin with because they don't want to make a mistake. And I think some of this may come down to in not an inexperienced coach, but a younger coach, first time playoff opportunity, you know, these things, there's a lot riding on it. And perhaps you're not making, you're, you're thinking more conservatively because you just want to win the game. But as we've seen, there are so many times where you play conservative and that ends up losing you the football game, a la the prevent defense. Mm. Do you guys, do you guys think that um when you interview a coach uh, and this is piggybacking off what Matt just kind of um, put out there into the universe, like running like a risk assessment to say okay this is the this is the situation down the distance this is the clock management what do you what do you give me three scenarios here what you do you know. I'm pretty. I think that's pretty much the only thing I would ask coaches. I was I was <laughs> just give scenarios. If it would it would be like listed. Here are the scenarios. What would you do in these scenarios? Also, do you hate black people like John Gruden? <laughs> so that has to be a no, first and foremost. That's actually the most important. Then after that would be, how do you handle these scenarios? And I think that, Cleve, you made a point. It's very possible they just not, were not concerned about the Raiders here. They thought they could defeat their offense once they got the yeah. defense back on the field. Yep. But if the Bengals were to do this uh, against Josh Allen, oh, Patrick Mahomes, no, Tom no, Brady, no, Aaron Rodgers, no, this no. game is tied. Yeah, right? <laughs> like no. it's, a, it's a tie game. So hopefully it's a strategic, what I think was a mistake made situationally due to the opponent and not like a shortcoming in the coach's thinking or else one of these great quarterbacks they're facing at some point is going to eat them for lunch. I mean, you know, like when we see the pan of the sideline and the, all these guys are watching like the surface tablets, 
all those scenarios are being played up because I think they knew that Derek Carr was due for an interception because you even alluded to like, oh well, he's he's been playing good so far, and I'm, and then I chimed in. I'm like, he's gonna he's gonna make that mistake because he's just probably gonna get careless, or the play call is gonna be something that can't be executed. So that's why. I wasn't like I didn't know he was going through the interception. I just felt it was coming because it just in a big moment like that. Don't I mean you have a 50-50 on each side of the of the field. Don't attack the front of the end zone. Throw to the back of the end zone or throw to the sides. But they, no. they didn't fear him. They didn't fear them at all. If you're gonna throw into double coverage, make it in the end zone for Christ's sake! Like it's not that difficult. <laughs> exactly. It's like you when guys Darren Waller. Yeah, but it's yes, like fifty-fifty. It, he's gonna jump. I'll jump anyone. Hey, they could have run a goal line fade for fuck's sake. I mean, oh, that would have been, that that could have been the icing on the cake. <laughs> but speaking of Derek Carr turnovers, did you guys see the stat that I had to laugh at because I've been killing Danny Dimes on this show for two years about his fumble problems, and it turns out that Derek Carr leads the league since 2014 in fumbles. Who the fuck wow, knew that? I did not know that. Yeah, I know. And I was like, because after the strip fumble, that stat came up, and I was like, I've been killing the wrong guy. So no, to be fair, he should just be killing them both. I, well, I mean, I have, but in I, I've been doing more of it to Danny Dimes. And remember, I had that sliver of endearment for the Raiders until they fucked me over with that tie. So they're done. I was actually very happy to see them gone. <laughs> so well, me, me too. Uh, one one last note on this game before we move on. Larry Ogunjobia starting a very good defensive tackle for the Bengals was carted off. He is done for the year. Mm. Foot injury, I think it was Frank, but something with his foot done for the year. That could be important going up against Derrick Henry this week. So, hey, Cleve, can, the, I ask you, can I ask you a question? This Liz Frank thing, like I've not heard this until this season that often. Is that just a new way to coin an old injury, or is this some some new phenomenon in in medicine that we're seeing? Because I've never really heard I've never heard it described that way. But this season, it seems like everybody has a Liz Frank. I've never heard of it either, to be honest with you. Like it's been a thing this year. Um, I. <laughs> Dr. I Dave, mean, do you know? Yeah, doc, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Dave. Okay, let me see here. Yeah. No, I PhD. actually have no idea what it is, but but I was confused because I was always confused how foot injuries can have you out like for nine months because Travis Etienne is out all season with the Liz Frank injury. Mm-hmm. Cam Akers tore his Achilles in July. And as we're about to talk about, played this weekend. Yes, he did. But whatever this Liz Frank thing is, is keeping is uh, keeping him out. So I do not know that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to briefly mention the next game, which is Patriots 17 at the Bills 47. I will turn it over to Matt to rant about his Patriots, and I will research on air what this Liz Frank thing is so we can figure it out together. Matt, take it away. I actually don't have anything bad to say. I mean they reached a ceiling outcome which i predicted by the way i said they'd win 10 games this year they did i didn't think they had a chance i almost almost put money on buffalo to cover because i knew that this was going to happen buffalo came in having figured something out against the bucks and they figured something out against the patriots in foxborough and there is no way that they were going to let the patriots embarrass them again in their own home which happened the first game in buffalo Josh Allen has been playing amazing. He's been listening to the show. He's been definitely trying to fuck over Cleve on this one. And I had a feeling that they were going to come in and just be lights out. And it, that's exactly what it was. I mean, Buffalo is a better team than New England. I don't think any of the three of us would dispute that. I never would have disputed that. And they had a great season. 
and it is what it is. I think Mac Jones has a lot to build on, and I hope that they can put a few more pieces that are a little bit more talented, a star around him on offense. I'm sure he's over there looking at Stephon Diggs and thinking, I'd love to have a guy like that. It, 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 the game got out of hand right away. The defense really took a dip after that first Buffalo game because Matt Judon got hurt, and he really wasn't the same. And that defense just could not get pressure for those last four games. Take the Jags game out of it. That really doesn't count. That was like playing Bishop Sycamore, for God's sakes. So (laughs) the three games at the end of the season where they played real competition, the defense just could not handle it. And I think Matt Judon being a slice of himself earlier in the year. I mean, he had 12 and a half sacks coming into that Buffalo game, the first one. And he he was amazing. And we all said it. He was a stud. And I think that defense took a dip because they just couldn't get pressure. And if you can't get pressure in any way, you're not going to survive, especially against guys that can carve you up with their feet, carve you up with their arm. And that's exactly what Josh Allen did. They took care of business and they publicly executed the Patriots for 20 years of frustration. Like they took them out to midfield, shot them directly in the face. That's exactly what happened. And you know what? I was happy for the city of Buffalo because they've been waiting for something like this for a while. And it was the perfect moment for them and they also played a perfect game because i think they did not punt the entire game which is phenomenal they played perfect really it was one of the best all-around games i've ever seen before cleve i'm gonna let you jump in here and talk about how much you love josh allen but first a liz frank injury basically is when you break the arch of your foot yeah it's like a very layman's way of putting it apparently cleve there are five bones metatarsal bones that make up the arch of your foot mm-hmm. it is when two or more of them come disconnected from the tarsus now i thought Ooh. the tarsus was that police box that was bigger on the inside than the outside but apparently it's breaking the arch of your foot and i'm seeing an x-ray of it here and it makes sense why it takes so long to come back oh yeah so yeah it's a broken foot arch basically anyways cleave uh how much do you love a josh allen i mean he, the guy had an al bundy game i mean he was poke high the whole way <laughs> you know you know my mantra do it in the playoffs so uh let's see who they got up next let's let's see him do this again you know that next is just a rematch of last year's afc title game they've already done it in the playoffs thank you for this making is like his point. third playoff win well this year this year i, I don't see oh, this, i like i like how you're I, putting like little uh caveats on all these do it in the playoffs but only right now like don't do it next yeah, year only right now yeah yeah i um what have you done for me lately hang, hang on Cleve. let me just let me tell you this real quick before you uh finish your thought here to see if this influences your thought at all josh allen in this game was 21 of 25 for 308 yards five touchdowns no picks carried the ball six times for 66 yards yeah, like I said, the guy was 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 all county. I mean, he, he did his thing. Um, Is he worth the money? Yeah, I mean, this year he showed and proved. But if you guys roll back to what I've been saying, like you don't know which Josh Allen's going to show up. And obviously, this is the season that he sh- he showed up. But there's been there's been other seasons where he hasn't had this type of um, this type of run. So you know, good for him. I give him his flowers. Um, lights out this year, and he single handedly kicked their ass. I mean, okay, I, I promise this is the last counterpoint I'm going to make. But which season was he not good? The season before he got his money. So this is his third season? Is it? Fourth. Fourth season? Fourth, fourth season. season. So he struggles as a rookie. It's a bit better as a sophomore. Finished second in the MVP voting last year. And this year is this year. Personally, 
I don't think the question is, is he worth the money? I think the question is right now, is it Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? I think he's under the conversation. Okay. We're going to find Fair out. Enough. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Now Mahomes enough. might just beat him, might, might, might beat him again. But I mean, Allen did get him earlier this year, but I think Allen has done enough at this point to really demonstrate that he is a very special, special talent. I agree. They looked awesome. So, and I thought they would. Uh, I was not surprised by this whatsoever. However, I did check out my father just to make sure a little proof of life, you know, <laughs> see how things were going on. I texted my my stepmother during the game. I said, the Patriots had a great season. I texted that in the middle of the first quarter, and uh, she never responded. So apparently that that didn't sit well with her. Um, but it was nice. I mean, I got, got to go to bed at halftime and uh, get a good night's sleep. Because, and my father actually told me, he's like, yeah, we went to bed after the third quarter. I was like, what the fuck were you doing watching that game into the third quarter? There was zero way that the Patriots were going to come back in that game. Yeah, uh, the Bills scored on the first four drives. They were up 27 to nothing in the second quarter. And my note I have here is, you can stop taking notes now. Yeah. It's the note that I wrote at that point. Uh, only point I, I want to come back to this again, even though the Bills looked great in this game and they just put it on the Patriots. Stephon Diggs, three catches for 60 yards there's still more upside for this team to explore. They still can get more out of digs. They can actually be better than they were in this game. By the way, mm-hmm. that Micah Hyde interception was a play where it was a great throw and a great interception. Like he made an over the over the shoulder catch on a throw that Mac Jones actually was going to put in Aguilar's hands. Like that was pretty much a dime on that drive. Like after the Bills scored, Mac actually had the offense mm-hmm. looking pretty good. He scrambled. I almost texted you guys and be like, uh, Mac Jones, greater than Lamar Jackson in running because he had that like 15-yard scamper. And I was like, whoa, what's happening here? Mac's up in his game. And honestly, that ball that he threw to Aguilar was a great ball. It was just an amazing interception. I mean, that was like a wide receiver-like like interception. There's really yeah, nothing I mean, he could they, do about that. They get paid to play too, you know? <laughs> oh, they do. I just, uh, this week, I was listening to Dominic Foxworth talk about why defensive backs and safeties don't catch the ball or have problems catching the ball and he was like it's because we don't expect the ball to come to us quite like that so when it does it's not like a receiver where you're expecting the guy to throw it to you and it's like oh shit it's here and then they go to catch it and they're just not prepared because they're trying to cover the the man not the ball Mm -hmm. and then the ball's there and it's kind of like a panic moment unless it's one of those jimmy g interceptions which we'll get to later <laughs> uh, the uh, the next game here, one we don't have to spend a ton of time on because it went kind of how we thought it would. Eagles fifteen at the Bucks thirty one. The main thing to note in this game is that uh, there's two things from this game. The first is that the Bucks looked really good. Uh, no Godwin, no Antonio Brown, no Leonard Fournette. They still came out and took and took care of business. Tom Brady, 29 to 37, 272 yards, two touchdowns, uh, no uh, no interception. So Tom Brady just doing Tom Brady things. The only really interesting thing for me in this game, aside from the fact that halfway through the second quarter, the Eagles had run 10 plays for 12 yards and the Bucks had run 33 plays for 300 yards. At that point, Tristan Wirfs, all pro offensive tackle for the Bucks, clearly got hurt. And he tried to re-enter the game multiple times, limping, went down a couple times was clearly hurt and he's questionable for this week so my question Cleve is there something because this goes back to Antonio Brown situation is there did Bruce Arians tell Tristan Wirfs to play even though he was clearly hurt or is there something about the culture within the organization right now that would lead Tristan Wirfs to believe he has to play while he's hurt Uh, so great uh, two points there 
uh, second point actually greater. I think it's not a, a Bucks culture thing. I think it's an NFL culture thing because we saw Zeke play hurt all year because Pollard was breathing down his neck. You, you don't want the next guy up, especially this close to possibly a Super Bowl berth. Um, I think, and this is my, you know, I have no inside information or I've, I haven't researched this. I think everyone is always do a bonus and maybe he was close to a bonus and he's like, fuck it, I want to play because I can't see where you're you're clearly hurt and you you have another game coming up, possibly two more games coming up and you're like, I'm going to get back in the game and I'm hurt. Hey, coach, I can't go. Now, if Bruce Arians is pushing these guys to go back in, then fuck them, you know, because it ain't right. So he went down, had to come out of the game, went back in, limping between plays, went down a couple more times, and then after the game now was totally questionable. He's made a game-time decision coming up this week. It's very clear that he was injured and probably shouldn't have been in the game. Absolutely. It's not really his decision to re-enter the game, is it? Like, if he's hurt, whose responsibility is it to take him out of the game? When he, I mean, he, it's not like he was just limping a bit. He kept going to the ground because he couldn't get back up. So he's clearly injured. Whose responsibility is it to take him out of the game at that point? So, I mean, I would take you back to when RG3 played for the Washington football team. I mean, um, they try to put it on him as, oh, he wanted to go back in. No, he's your franchise quarterback. You guys, you know, took him as a, a high pick. You know, he, his leg is not right. He's limping back to the huddle. Kirk Cousins could probably cover this game and won't lose his job to Robert Griffin at the time. But I think it's an NFL situation where these guys want to be the tough guy. I want to be in there for my guys, that type of thing. But again, now it's just cost you your next game. And you might, you might not be playing after that. You might be done for the year. Matt, what do you think of the situation? I have a controversial take here. I think it's a Tom Brady culture thing. I think they're going into the game for Tom because, and that sounds crazy, but think think about it. What does Tom care about? Tom cares about Super Bowls. He (laughs) notoriously told the dude on the Patriots, I don't give a fuck about the Pro Bowl. We're here to win Super Bowls. So maybe Tom's not telling him to go into the game. It's not quite that overt, but the culture that he seems to have brought there seems to play into that perhaps. However, on the other side of that argument, Bruce Arians did slap one of his defensive backs in the back of the head. So uh, Bruce Arians sucks. (laughs) I'm just saying this is now two situations where we have Antonio Brown claiming he was ordered back into the game despite telling the coach he was hurt. You know, we've got a player who's clearly hurt, who, by the way, is a second year player, is an all pro. So he's very critical. And his injury came basically after this game was in hand because the game was in hand almost immediately. Yes. (laughs) So it's not like this was a tight game or anything. So. I thought about the Brady thing too, but Brady is so focused on the Super Bowl, he's capable of thinking like, oh, we need Tristan next week. Yes. So yes. you should sit. I think it's Bruce Arians' dumbass who can't think like, oh, we should sit him down. He's clearly hurt. He's probably like, no, you can. You still have two feet. You should go play. No, what I'm saying is not that Tom is, is telling them and not thinking that way, but I think that the way Tom goes about his business is infectious. And of course, you don't want to be the guy who lets Let the him team down. down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I'm saying it's not necessarily a nefarious thing on Tom where he's telling mm, guys, like, mm. if you're hurt, go in. I think it's more of a, hey, Tom's out here slinging dimes at age 50, so I got to get back out there. Yeah. Like, And then, by that. the way, this was a revenge game for Tom. You know he loved beating the Eagles and so loved beating the Eagles. I mean, Tom Brady is eff- effectively always on a revenge tour. He's just taking people out left and right. It's like a hitman. It's unbelievable. It's unreal. Do you think he has like his draft bib 
like in his in his house somewhere like like in a in a, in a fucking no like, it's it's like in billy in madison where he's something. got the thing with the people that i want to kill and he just keeps like you know crossing like them off or whatever 199 oh. <laughs> yeah just just has it in front of him every time he walks out the house oh yeah i was the 199th pick fuck you the only oh, other yeah. the only other theory that i have is that tristan Wirfs received a text message of a shit emoji from giselle and so therefore he's like whoa gotta get back in <laughs> recklessly speculative on my part but i'm throwing it out there i don't think i don't think 24 year old tristan Wirfs cares what that old lady has to say about anything i'm just gonna put that he, out there he has uh, to i think he has, he has to. to she's gotten guys she's gotten guys jettisoned <laughs> she she she's kind of the assistant gm that's uh that's yeah. true okay <laughs> So the next game here, we have the 49ers 23 at the Cowboys 17. I am furious. I, on this very show, predicted the Cowboys would make the Super Bowl. And I made that prediction based on a couple of factors. The first being how talented the team is. The second being that they have a very good quarterback. The third being that they have a very good defense, a great young defensive player named Michael Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. And I thought these things would be enough to win the Super Bowl, but they could not overcome the monumental stupidity that is Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is one of the worst football coaches I've ever seen. He is the single reason Aaron Rodgers does not have more Super Bowls and he should be fired into the sun. Now, first, I want to go back to the week before. I guess It was a good thing that the Cowboys risked all their starters in a game that was meaningless just so that they could keep their offensive momentum going into the playoffs. Because, boy, they shot a lot of offensive momentum in this game, didn't they? Maybe you should not risk your starters in meaningless games and just take the extra bye week that you'd want to have anyways if you're the first overall seed. Do we think Aaron Rodgers is concerned about their momentum or Ryan Tannehill is concerned about their momentum? No, that's just uh, number uh, number one that's there. I actually have a whole lot more to go on this, so I'm actually going to turn this over to Cleve here real quick. Uh, Cleve, thoughts on this game generally, Mike McCarthy, the disappointment of Dallas, uh, the the whole thing, because I have like three pages here. So, um, <clears throat> So... I agree with you, and I'm probably going to agree with everything that you have written down that I can't see yet, but I can't wait to hear. Um, same reasons why I thought they would go far, but it seems like this team, well, not this team, particular team, but this franchise is always close, but they just don't they don't get it. Um, I just don't understand uh, why they weren't throwing, like throwing more. I think you even text us like, hey, are they going to throw the ball here at all? So I'm thinking, well, maybe something's wrong with Dak. But then some of the dumb penalties, the holds and and stuff that will cost you down in distance and will cost you the game because this is a big moment and you make a, a grave mistake where you give 15 yards away. That's that's great. So um, McCarthy, yeah, I think he's the single reason why they won't go far. Um, I don't know if you want to put Kellen Moore in that spot and, and demote him or just get him out of the fucking building. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about how stupid Mike McCarthy is. The 49ers uh, know it too. There was a situation, 23-7, 49ers winning. Dallas has a fourth and five at their own 49-yard line, so basically midfield with 14 minutes left in the game. So they're down 16, 14 to go, fourth and five. And they go to line up to punt the ball. 
This would be one of the worst punts, worst decisions to punt anybody has ever made in the history of the world. They call a fake punt, and it works. <laughs> the reason it worked is that Kyle Shanahan actually believed Mike McCarthy to be so stupid as to punt it there, and Kyle Shanahan was right. He was right to think McCarthy might actually punt that ball away. So even the fake punt was a tell about how little everybody else thinks about Mike, about Mike McCarthy. You know, and then after the fake punt, Dallas tries to do this weird thing, which, you know, a credit for trying to be a little bit different, but they try to go tempo with their punt team. So they keep the special teams on the field, probably with a play call in mind to try to catch the 49ers special teams having to play real defense now, right? It's actually kind of clever. The problem is that it was either poorly designed or not communicated because one of the Cowboys ran off the field and had a sub come on, which means the 49ers got to substitute. So now you had the Cowboys punt team trying to run 65 toss power sweep against the 49ers starting defense. So now with like eight seconds left on the play clock and a game they're down by two scores late in the fourth quarter, Dak and everybody else started to rush on the field. They don't want to burn a timeout because they need them later. And so they have to take a delay of game. So they just get this fake punt. Now it's a delay of game. Now it's first and 15. They get, they don't get a first down. They get some more of the yardage back. Cleave, it is 23 to seven with 11 minutes to go in the game. They're down by 16 points. True or false, the Cowboys kick the field goal here. Oh, in, in that exact spot? Yes. Down 16? Down 16, need, 11 to go. Did they kick a field goal? They need points. They kick the field goal. Here's the thing. Anytime you can cut a two-touchdown lead to a two-touchdown lead late in the game, you better do it. With 11 I, minutes I to go. Right. There's 11 minutes to go. He was like, instead of being 16, we'll be down 13. Yeah. And the thing is, for people like Mike McCarthy, they'll think, oh, now two touchdowns and we can win the game. But it's going to be harder to score when the clock is running out and they can defend the end zone like the Bengals could against their car. Correct. Yeah. It sure would have it sure would be nice to get a touchdown here and only need a field goal as time yes. is running out. But yeah. surely that's not a situation that's gonna come up in this game, is it? So again, I, I allude to when you're when you're hiring a head coach, these are case studies. These are these are actually like how like like you get like a law brief. This is like, a, listen, this is a scenario. Give us give us three possible outcomes. Go. <laughs> Dave, I have After a the fake, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. There's, there's there's just more to come. But please, man, go ahead. I have a very delicate question. You know, we like to be transparent on this show. When we get a little personal. Uh, how much money does Mike McCarthy owe you for the sports book that you lost on? <laughs> no, no. So the thing is, it doesn't quite work like that because I don't really bet like sides and totals and things. Now, on my underdog playoff best ball drafts, I may have been pretty heavily exposed to the Cowboys. Um, but that's not really the thing. The thing more is that we are all being robbed. Like it is a crime against God in nature that this man gets to coach Dak Prescott. We are being robbed. Like Dak is amazing. And we are being absolutely robbed of this Stevie Lamb had one catch in this yeah. game yeah because they weren't one throwing catch. it yeah they weren't throwing it uh Davis Maddock on Twitter fantasy football writer guy he had a tweet his tweet was funny but it won't read right here so I'm just gonna get to the point he said that Kyle Shanahan would rather die than not give the ball to Debo Samuel but Mike McCarthy thinks that Stevie Lamb and Cedric Wilson are the same thing 
the 49ers get the ball to Debo Samuel 47 different ways. And I actually think if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hit by a bus tonight, Debo will just play quarterback this week and not Trey Lance. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're going to give the ball to Debo come hell or high water. Meanwhile, Ezekiel Elliott had 12 carries in this game, and he had four targets. Tony Pollard had one target. Yeah. Why poor, are you throwing the ball player. to Zeke? It's poor bad enough you're giving it to him. Yeah. I just – and then, so they run the fake punt, and they do this thing with, like, the funny try to keep the, you know, clever thing, which I think there's a case for it could have worked, but it didn't work. So clearly he's going to learn to not try to do anything too cute and too clever with the clock, right? Because it just hit him back here. So clearly, say with 14 seconds left and no timeouts, he's not going to call quarterback draw for Dak Prescott, right? But but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Dave. Like, the knock on him when he was in Green Bay was that he became too, uh, too stoic and he's be- he became too predictable and his plays were archaic. Right now, he's trying to be the fancy hip guy. <laughs> it ain't working because the barn lost the door. So everyone just saw right into the fucking barn now. What he was issue, watching. But, but but see, here's the thing: it's not even so much about the play calls themselves, right? So the the get fancy after the fake punt, keep your punt team on that you have like a pl- an actual offensive play that they know to run. That's clever. I love it. I would love if Michigan put in something like that, right? Like I think that's really clever. The problem is the communication and the coaching, right? So a cowboy either doesn't know what to do or doesn't get the memo and runs off the field. Now the 49ers get to substitute and it's broken. The quarterback draw for Dak was risky, but you could see the benefit of it. We saw it. We saw how far he got. But you have to know the situation and you have to communicate that. You get to talk to Dak in his ear before the play. Dak, it's a quarterback draw. Slide it 12 yards, hand the ball to the ref. And it's on the coach to say that, just like you guys are boxing guys. It's the people in the corner giving the instruction to the boxer because they're in there, you know, doing it. Dak's going to run, and he's going to jump up and try to spike the ball, which is exactly what he did. He needed somebody in his ear to be like, slide it 12, hand it to the ref right before the play happened. McCarthy would never even think to do that. The reason the Cowboys keep getting all these penalties is because they're poorly coached. Mike McCarthy sucks, and if the Cowboys had any sense at all, they would be the ones to hire Jim Harbaugh. But Jerry Jones could never, ever deal with this situation like that, and it's to the detriment of the Cowboys and their fans, because that team is a Super Bowl caliber roster with a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, and their coach, I'd have to go back and watch, he probably cost Aaron Rodgers at least one other ring, if not two, and you know, I just, they've already said they're not going to get rid of him, it's a tough spot for them to be in, but they have to know that, like, they're not. Like, the players already know that next year's a lost year, right? Yeah. Yeah, but the thing about it is that. Jerry's happy because Jerry has a coach that he can kind of do whatever he wants with. Like, Jerry's the GM, so Jerry gets to pick all the players on the field, but yet somehow doesn't seem to understand that the coach is a vital part of it. Like, we always t- say coaches coach, players play, but sometimes the coach does have an effect on what happens in the game. Yeah. Like when you have a bad head coach, I mean, look at Adam Gase. Adam Gase was a shitty head coach. Urban Meyer was a bad head coach. They don't get more out of the talent that they have. And I understand those two teams didn't have nearly as much talent. But the mm-hmm. point being mm-hmm. is that they're not able to get those ceiling outcomes out of these players because they don't know how to manage so many different things. You can actually make the argument about Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury coming up here. So Jerry's in, yeah. a, in a fine spot. 
because he gets, I mean, think about it. He employed Jason Garrett for a decade, a decade. The Cowboys have four playoff wins in 27 years. Four. That's it. And they're still talking about themselves like as if they won a Super Bowl recently. It was almost 30 years ago. Alabama and the Cowboys have each won the same number of playoff games in that stadium. Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah. So here's the thing, because the coaches coach and players play is true, but a coach's job is to deploy their talent as optimally as possible. And we always think about that in terms of like scheme and play design and make sure you call enough play action and don't throw goal line fades or Matt will fight you. You know, we have these sorts of things, (laughs) but in a situation like the Jack quarterback draw, making sure you deploy him correctly means reminding him, Hey, slide it at 12 yards, give the ball to the rest, right? A sharp coach is going to remember to do that. Players play, but a sharp coach has to tell Chris Weber, hey, Chris, no more timeouts. You know what I mean? Like, you need to, the coach <sighs> needs to always be aware of the situation and make sure that they're communicating to their players what the situation is supposed to be, especially if it's out of the ordinary. And a quarterback drawn that situation is out of the ordinary, right? But he's not, he's just, he's just not good enough so i think i might have said this um offline um and if i didn't i'm saying it now the thing about the down the distance of that play because i wouldn't have called the draw there because knowing the outcome was the outcome right there they had at least enough time to take two shots at the end zone and to your point dave that CD Lamb wasn't being utilized. This is where you're up, young fella. Like, get the burners on, get ready to catch this ball. Because again, you you run the the risk um, of getting a PI, right? And then you then you get closer. But the draw, I didn't understand that play because it 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 took too much time off the clock. Like you said, he got far, but it, it took too much time because you had to they had to uh, get the ball back to the ref. I can't remember if they had timeouts to spike it or not. No, no, no. They did. They were going to try to spike it and get one play to the end zone. So I understand. I understand what you're saying about having multiple throws to the end zone, but it really would have been like two hail marys, which 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 is still low probability. So they want to try to get a little bit closer and have one like actual pass pattern, I guess, into the end zone. But truthfully, they never should have been in the situation for two reasons. One, the 49ers settled for three field goals in the first half. This game could have been a boat race. This could have been uh, Bill's Pats all over again, right? Yeah. This game could have really gotten away from them quickly. And the second one is that they never should have been in the situation because when they kicked that field goal, they should have gone for it. And if they make it and they score a touchdown, now they're playing for a field goal. And if they didn't make it, then they're not in this situation because they're going to lose by two or three scores anyways. But who the fuck cares? Because it doesn't matter how much you lose by. You either win or you lose. So it doesn't matter that you lost almost having deck into the end zone, but having time right out. Or if you lose by three scores, a loss is a loss. Yeah. Going for it when you kick that field goal, when it give you a much better chance to win at the end, because now you're setting up Greg Zerline to kick a game-winning field goal rather than Dak Prescott trying to throw two Hail Marys or slide on a draw or C.D. Lamb or any of that. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, even the situation, the play call, probably not the greatest, never should have been in the first place. And a sharper coach would not have been in in that situation. I do want to mention about the 49ers, you know, since they won. Um, they only scored 23 points. <laughs> so that so that continues. Uh, Jimmy G, sixteen of twenty five. Cleve, how many yards and touchdowns for Jimmy G? Sixteen of twenty five. Uh, sixteen of twenty five. Uh, let's say one fifty. 
172 and no touchdowns. There you go. And no touchdowns. Yeah, a great I knew, pick, I though. I knew there was no touchdowns. A classic, awful interception. classic Jimmy G pick. <laughs> oh, I think in the text string, Dave said, now he got that out of his system. He's not going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan's going to escape a lot of uh, critiques this week for some of his decisions that he made in this game. Uh, but that's just because he's just overwhelmed by the Cowboys. But he did not have his best, his best effort here either. No, but man, that Jimmy G throw that was a pick, I was like, oh, wow. What was that? It's like I was watching Eli Manning throw that pass. Well, he's going to escape a lot of critique, too, because of our boy Kyler coming up in a couple games. Go ahead, Cleve. Oh, man. Did it, I, I didn't see it. So did it get away from I didn't see that play. But did, like, did it get away from him or he no. stared the guy down? He pretty much like stared, stared the guy stared down the right. and threw it at him. It oh, was, okay. it so, was yeah, really bad. NFL, you don't do that. You don't stare a guy down. So he actually had two awful plays in this game Jimmy G did. The other one was just an incomplete pass. So uh, there was like that much downside, but he missed a ton of upside. There was a play, I believe in the third quarter, where Brandon Ayuk, I mean, roasted Trayvon Diggs. I mean, smoked him. You know what I mean? Just just destroyed him. You know, Madden on rookie mode. You know, just cooks him to the sideline. And Jimmy G puts it seven yards over his head. Right. I mean, you have no chance. If he hits him in stride, he turns the corner of the sideline. We're probably looking at a 40-yard gain, and that's if the first person to touch him is able to get him down. He did that in the Super Bowl, so why are we even surprised that he overthrew guys? This this is a little bit different because this was a, like, 13 to 15-yard out situation where you hit him in stride, he turns it up. Trying to hit Manny Sanders 50 yards downfield, you know, you overthrow it a little bit. You know, that's a much harder throw is what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. This one should not have been that hard. At the very least, put it on him. Right. But if he puts on him in stride, it's probably a 40-yard play, and this game doesn't come down to anything either. And so that play goes overlooked because it's just an incomplete pass. Now it's third and 10, and people don't think about it. But missing that upside there was huge, and that's the problem with Jimmy G. He's lacking upside. And now he's got to go through Aaron Rodgers and then probably through Tom Brady. And if he doesn't have to go through Tom Brady, he has to go through Matt Stafford having to beat Tom Brady and then probably through either Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. So I, I don't see it. Do you think the Jimmy G kind of quarterback, style of quarterback play, is it more so like, because I heard Matt say classic Jimmy G. And when he, when people say classic something like that, I always think of Eli Manning because Eli had the face it didn't matter. Like, oh yeah, I, I just did that. Is he throwing guys open, or is he? Is he? Because you said it in stride. Like, obviously, you gotta you gotta time the route. So at the eighth hash, he has the guys be coming in for a break. Ball better be there. Or, or do you think Jimmy G said, like, you know what? I'm gonna throw it to the eighth hash, and then hopefully the guy's there to, to pick it up or whatever. So he, here's how, here's here's how I think of Jimmy G. So I'm uh, for the listeners that don't know, I'm in school right now, uh, Colorado State, go Rams. Um, and I've never really been that great of a student, uh, just not really good at doing the whole school thing. And I know it. So I don't really press myself to try to get 100% on every single paper or A's in every single class. As, uh, the people around me say, B's get degrees. So I'm aiming, I'm aiming for these B's trying to avoid, you know, low C's and get through and get my degree. Right. But here's the thing. If I had to compete against the other students at Colorado state, go Rams. Uh, I'm probably not going to win. Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback as I am to college. He's out here trying to get beat. Man. And he's throwing and handing the ball to some A's. And so that's great. But the problem is that we've got PhD Aaron Rodgers on deck. 
So I don't, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like he, he's not, he's not bad. He's not terrible. He's not undeserving of being a starter or his money or, you know, the hype that surrounded him when he made the move to San Francisco, right? He's not undeserving of any of that. There, he just is drawing so thin to beat Aaron Rodgers, then Tom Brady, the Patrick Mahomes. Is he, so is he, I know a season ago uh, on the show that we did this, is he a top 15 guy or 15 to 32 guy? Is he, he's, is he in literally, the top he's, he's literally number 15. Yeah, I think he's, yeah. So he's, a, he's the middle of the way guy. <laughs> no matter what he does, he is the middle. He's like Joe Biden. He's always the middle of the party. Like it Got doesn't you. matter what changes around him. Jimmy G stays in the middle. He is what everything else is judged against. He is the most, he's what Andy Dalton used to be. He's yes. like oh, the wow. most <laughs> average quarterback, right? Ooh. Red Rifle, baby. Yeah, well, in 10 years when Jimmy G is uh, the starting quarterback for the Bears because they want to get a new QB1, then we might be seeing the same kind of thing that we saw from Andy <laughs> Dalton this year. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, I think that's enough on on that game. I mean, a lot of the stuff that Talking Heads have been talking about, everybody's killing the Cowboys as well they should be. So there's a lot there's a lot more of that. We'll get the, some oh. more 49ers talk later. Yes, Cleve. Before you move on, Dave. So did you guys catch the end of the game when the fans were throwing shit? At the refs, yes. Well, they were, yes, they were throwing shit on the field, but then it turned out later on that they were throwing it at, at the refs, and then Dak <laughs> made an off-color comment about, "Well, good, you know, good for them, whatever." Yeah. I agreed with um, two things. I don't agree with. I'm sorry, I don't agree with throwing stuff at at a ref, especially when the game wasn't refed poorly. You strong, guys played, strong position there, Cleve. Strong yeah, position. Yeah, they they had they had some plays and not had some dumb penalties and. A coach that was better they could have won the game so do the company line thing hey i need to just play better and that's it but what did you guys think of issuing an apology 48 hours later that, it that was, you didn't mean it, to say that it was the right thing to do if it was sincere it was a really stupid thing to say yeah uh in the moment because like you can't even if you actually personally were like man i wish i could chuck a couple banners ref myself like you have to know who you are in your position and like what you're about yeah. you just can't manage a year candidate Dak prescott yeah. you just can't say <laughs> that can't also also as it pertains to this throwing things at refs is like it's like it's the most texas thing it's literally doing the least 2009 champions league semifinal at stanford bridge in london barcelona chelsea Barcelona wins at the last second, goes through to the final. Chelsea fans are mad, rightfully so. We had Barcelona players dribbling balls, uh, tackling people like with their hands like it was American football. And I'm a Barcelona fan. It was terrible, right? Mm-hmm. The referee had to be snuck out of the stadium with like a fake motorcade. So like one way, so the crowd would chase him so he could sneak out the other way, go to the airport. He's Norwegian. To my knowledge, he has never been back to England. Jesus. So, you know, to me, if you're going to be so, if you think the refs really cost you that bad, I want you chasing them out of the country, fake motorcade. Throwing batteries at refs is stupid and it's just not, it's not good enough. It's not good enough for the anger that you actually would be feeling. I think they're actually frustrated at Mike McCarthy and just yes. couldn't reach midfield with the battery so they yes. start targeting the refs. Yes. And I think if that was Aaron Rodgers or something like that, it was it would probably be excused. And, and again, I, I don't condone uh, throwing things because it's a game. At the end of the day, it's it's a game that that these people are playing. I mean, obviously for money, but um, yeah. I just uh, I'm from a country where same thing happens at at football games. Um, 
and not a, not American football, but you make a bad call, you, your family's life might be at stake. Like you, you probably need to leave the country. You know, it's it's that bad. I mean, go I the. Di- your, I want your. Oh, go ahead, man. Go, go ahead. the distance and do what Dave did. Go to City Hall or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, I was reading a story. Who was? Oh, I, I'm going to get the details confused. Didn't some basketball referee in Puerto Rico get shot by a coach for a bad <laughs> yeah. call or something? Like, like in the leg. I don't think he killed him. But yeah. like, now that it makes it better. You might be shooting people over basketball calls. But, uh, you know, I'm just saying that, like, it just <laughs> it's just it's it's just unimpressive to be throwing batteries at referees because they're mad at them. Like booing Santa Claus for Philly, that's funny. Yeah, right? that's like Because it, yeah. it's different. Uh, booing Michael Irvin with a broken neck is not funny. <laughs> but no. booing, man, booing Santa Claus is funny, but throwing batteries at refs, like it's just not, you know, it's kind of what I'd expect from Texas. Or, you know, talk a big game, not really show up. Or in Buffalo when they threw a dildo on the field because uh, that was from a couple years ago where they did oh, that. So I, I, I know that there was a confirmed... They did it again. Yeah, they did. That's what I mean. There was a confirmed dildo on the field in Buffalo as, you, as there should have been. How do you check for that? So you enter in the stadium. <laughs> I don't even know. Khalif, we will swear on this podcast, but there are some things we're just not going to get into. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving right along. Moving right along. <laughs> All right. Speaking of dildos, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers 21 oh, and the Chiefs 42. So again, this game was 42 to 21 and it was 0-0 at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, that, that I'm just that, gonna go back to the big bird meme. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, the big bird meme. That first touchdown for the the Chiefs was real good by TJ Watt. You guys saw that, right? Ah. <laughs> yeah, the strip sack where he just scooped it up and ran it in. I have a Steelers fan at the job, and he was like, "That's why he should be a tight end." And I'm like, "Didn't he like break the single season sack record?" This yeah, he year? did. <laughs> and he legitimately told me. A good team needs three good tight ends, and he should move the tight end. And I was like, you walk away. This is the most. This is the best Steelers content I've ever heard. This is amazing. Are you sure that wasn't ironically told to you? Like they were serious about that take. One hundred percent serious. Yeah, they they were. Yeah, my my dude, my dude is a Steelers lakers fan he's serious about everything that involves losing he can't stand it all right cleve so. what you need to do is you need to make a team with the three best tight ends in the league on the steelers simulate a season and see how that goes for him yeah yeah right with jimmy target g at quarterback share. target That's shares it. three best tight ends in the league travis kelsey george kittle mark andrews mm. yeah probably mm. close waller? there waller yeah, waller maybe waller. yeah Kittle, I mean, there's there's no doubt Kittle and Kelsey are, are the top two. And then you can have a third. Waller, I think I'd take Waller, personally. Yeah, I, I would take Waller, too. That's uh, that, that's interesting. Uh, I think. Team Andrews, but it's close. But it's close. Uh, so, uh, 0-0 at the end of the first quarter, 21-7 at halftime. So, we had four touchdowns in the second quarter. Uh, as we noted, Pittsburgh's offense not on the field for any of them. Nope. Uh, and, you know, the Chiefs. I, I thought that like, this game would be interesting to kind of look bad in the first quarter, but Mahomes comes out 30 of 39, 405 yards, five touchdowns to match Josh Allen in one interception. And like, they just, they, they stomped him just like you thought they would. Yeah. This is why I didn't want to watch this game. No. Like I told you guys, I was like, what, what's the fucking point here? Because I didn't really, I just didn't really want to see the Steelers. I just didn't want to see them. And I love Mike Tomlin. I just, I'm not a big Ben guy, I'm not a Steelers guy just didn't care i'm already on record as saying they weren't going to make the playoffs and i was fucking wrong like that's why i hate the raiders so much (laughs) i uh am so happy to be done with ben roethlisberger (laughs) until he's in subway commercials or some shit like that 
either way i can mute those or stuff but like with him with him out of the league like i cannot i i despise ben roethlisberger as a human being he is one of the he's one of the very few players that i actually like every time he's like hurt and down i'm like come on one time one time right mm. it's like uh uh, when Chris Christie got COVID or something, I'm like, I don't really want it to be that bad, but it would be kind of poetic. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, th- he's such an awful human being. And I know the announcers, because it's all alleged and whatever, they can't just like constantly harp on it. And so like, you can tell Collinsworth is trying to talk about his out of the field accomplishments and try to walk a fine line. I'm just sick of it. Like, I just want this dude gone. He's not going to be on television because everybody knows he sucks. He can barely form sentences anyways. Uh, <laughs> although, I guess he could replace Terry Bradshaw. Never mind. Ah. He might end up on television. Um, but I'm just I'm just glad to be done with this guy. I cannot wait for him to be like a, a Seahawk or some shit like that and come back just for days. Exactly. Throwing exactly. dimes to DK Metcalf. <laughs> oh, man. Oh my God! Um, do he's not gonna, even try to speak that into existence. He's gonna pop out uh, and be like, "Gotcha." Although we are we are on video, so the audience can now see my head explode <laughs> when uh, he gets signed to go be QB one in Chicago. Um, so yeah, so that's that's all I had on this game. Cleve, I'm assuming, doesn't have many takes on this game. Man, you got anything else? No, I'm I'm happy that the uh, Chiefs got a bye week in their big uh, big clash with the Bills coming up. Two teams that got buys. It's great to have a nice fresh week. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Both of them throwing up five touchdowns in their in their games, too. All right. The final game of the weekend, a Monday nighter, selfish NFL. We had a Monday nighter, Cardinals 11 at Rams 34. This was an absolute destruction by the Rams. They're up 20 to nothing, 21 to nothing at halftime. Uh, so the Rams didn't really have to throw the ball that much. We got Cooper Cup 5 for 61 to 1. Odell Beckham looking good. Four for 54 and one. Cam Akers, as I mentioned earlier, tore his Achilles in July and came mm-hmm. back last week. But this week, he like led the backfield in touches. He had 17 carries for 55 yards and one catch for 40 yards on a pass from Odell Beckham, by the way. So, like, if the Rams have Cam Akers back, they're complete. Mm-hmm. Until Tom Brady uh, takes him out in his revenge tour, because they did beat them earlier in the season, so Tom's yeah, coming. Yes, as 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 uh, as I uh, do have do have noted. Um, now, I'm sure most of the listeners saw the Kyler Murray interception, but just in case they didn't, Matt, can you uh, just sort of walk the walk the audience through the situation of what happened with this Kyler Murray interception? Yeah, just go look at every Carson Wentz interception from the end zone this season, and you'll basically see it, because that's exactly what it looked like. And I didn't realize Carson Wentz was a short, fast black guy. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable how things change like that, the Scooby-Doo moment. But I I need to ask you guys this, because I I don't know. Cleve, you played, and maybe you can you know talk about this from an insight perspective, but when a quarterback is in duress in the end zone, he has to know that the worst possible outcome is giving up a touchdown via some kind of a turnover. So why is a safety seen as such a bad outcome? I know you're giving the ball back, but seven points versus two, and then them getting the ball back, I guess it could be a nine-point swing depending on how your defense plays. But in the moment, wouldn't you take two points versus an automatic six with exactly what happened? I mean, he didn't even try to throw it out of bounds. He threw it literally up in the air. My son could have done that. Like, that's how... It, it, there was nothing that it wasn't like he threw it over and tried to get out of bounds. It was underhand. It was it was weird. 
why do quarterbacks feel as if a safety is such a terrible outcome? I mean, it's, I mean, obviously you outlined exactly what happens. Um, you see that drop kick after this and after the safety is scored. Um, it's not like a high traveling um, kick. So I know again, yeah, you can technically score again and then probably go for two again. <laughs> but you could, so, but, but here's the thing. When an offense gets the ball, like their own side of the field, normal situation, uh, safeties were two points and a touchdown from the turnover is worth seven with the extra point, which means that getting the ball back for after the free kick, you'd have to be expected to score five points on average on that one possession to have it be just as bad. And that is literally never the case, but not even, not even the bills who never punted against the Patriots would expect to get five points every time they touch the ball in, in that game. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not what you expect. So mathematically speaking, you know, you don't want to give up two points, but it is always better than giving them the ball right down there by the goal line. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I, I right. Like, that's the thing is like, these are professionals. It's not as if they are incapable of thinking this critically, even under duress, but like, know where you are. We crush Dan Orvlosky all the time for running out of the end zone and not knowing where he was, <laughs> but it's, but okay, we crush him for that. But this is the same thing. Why is Kyler giving up that kind of a play? Just take the sack. It's not a great situation to begin with. If you're if you're under that much duress in the end zone, just let it happen. Seriously. Like if you're that far mm-hmm. in the end zone and there's eight guys around you within a half a second, just let it be. Because it's, it's, I mean, it's not gonna I mean, be any you better. Can do Dan Ol- you can do a Dan Olofsky and just run out the back of the end zone and just But that's what I'm saying. Or this play this play from Kyler was worse than Orlovsky. I, I mean, that's what I mean. Independent of context, I mean Orlovsky yeah. did it playing for the Lions in the mid two thousands, so the game literally didn't matter. But even independent of context, this play from Kyler Murray was a dumber play. Like this play was so dumb, I thought Mike McCarthy called it. I mean, it was really bad. So I, I didn't even think he had that in him. Like I didn't think he had that sort of just nonsense sort of play. Oh, it was nonsense, absolute them. nonsense. Like it was just what is what. When, when you watch it, you think to yourself, something happened. Somebody has taken over Kyler Murray's body because right. we don't see that kind of stupidity is a good word for it or ineptitude, whatever you yeah. want to use. Some synonym for doesn't know what the fuck he's doing because that's basically what it, it looked like. Kyler Murray started playing quarterback for the very first time during that play and he had no idea what to do (laughs) and it was so strange to see but it really was a microcosm for the whole back half of the season for the the cardinals to be perfectly honest like they backed in dave i think you said it. you could hear the beeping you could see the blinking lights as the truck (laughs) was backing in yes and just because they had a win against the cowboys who i didn't get to make this point earlier but the cowboys were six and five against all teams not nfc east so the nfc east actually masked Mike McCarthy's ineptitude as a coach and actually their ceiling if they'd played in the NFC West they probably wouldn't have made the playoffs but what's we're talking about Arizona here but Arizona just looked so bad and the Rams peaking the card and the thing is Cliff Kingsbury didn't know how to make an adjustment no at all he has collapses he I mean the last three years they start hot and if you look it up they end they flame out they flame out yeah Okay, so before we get into the preview for next week, I got just one thing that I just, you know, going through doing some drafts for starting uh, this round of the playoffs, I noticed some things. Uh, Cleve, 
I'm going to give you the starting running backs for the eight, team re- eight teams remaining and the round they were drafted. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Derrick Henry, second round. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon, second round. Devin Singletary, fifth round. <laughs> Jerick McKinnon, I have no idea. I think he was a third round pick, actually, but it wasn't first, right? No. Uh, Aaron Jones, fifth round. Eli Mitchell, sixth round. Leonard Fournette, there we go. There's one. First round, fourth overall. And Cam Akers, second round. Wow. But by the way, Fournette's on his second team as a first round pick. So yes. it's not even the team that drafted him. The Jags, right? right? Yes. Yeah, Jack. It, okay. Exactly. So, like, just to continue to beat this point for anybody out there who continues to think that you should be drafting running backs ask in the, the first round. Ask the fucking Giants. No, right. Man. It just <laughs> ask the Panthers where it worked and who cares. Just just don't do it. Don't I mean, do it. shit, the 49ers got Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and they didn't pick him in the first round, did they? Uh, no, Debo was a second round pick, I believe. By the way, after Nikhil Harry. Fuck that guy. <laughs> so moving on to the games coming up this week we're into the final eight and so i just got you know the games here a couple notes and we do have some rematches here as well yes so first game we got uh saturday afternoon we've got the Bengals at the titans the very first most important question is how effective will derrick henry be in his return cleve has mentioned pretty much since he's been rumored to come back cleve you're skeptical that henry's gonna be Football shape, right? Yeah, football shape. I mean, I mean, just him being on the field might be a factor because you know sometimes that that moral support is there. But um, he hasn't played in what eight weeks? Uh, Ten, twelve? Yeah, ten. Yeah. So I I don't know how if he comes out there and rips off like two hundred yards, I'm gonna shit myself. I'm just letting you guys know that right now. All right, so uh, fans of the show, if you want to mail extra drawers to Cleve, his address is. No, I'm kidding. Please don't um, do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't dox me, bro. Don't dox me. Um, uh, yeah, no. So I, I think he's actually going to be fine. If they only have him, though, short yardage and goal line, that's still a pretty good option to have oh, short yeah. yardage and goal yeah. line. Yeah. Uh, how will the young Bengals respond in their first playoff game on the road? And honestly, is Nashville even a tough environment to have to go play? <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know. It's supposed to be like 35, I think, in Nashville. So the weather's not going to be a factor for them. I I don't see Nashville as a, a home field advantage, but uh, no. I, I do honestly think that Derrick Henry is, is going to be ready to go. I think that he is. I kind of do too. I he think he's mentally ready to go. And I think the physical part, I mean, I know he's been working hard. He has to be working hard. He takes a lot of pride in his craft. For him to play that way, the kind of, the kind of football player that he is, I just can't see him coming back to be a goal line. Like he wants to come back to be really effective. He's going to do everything that he can to be effective, including stiff arming his mom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, man. I think, I think that he's coming back full speed, which sort of leads into my next question. Which of these two teams has the best chance to beat the winner of the bills and the chiefs. Keep in mind if the Titans win, that game is in Tennessee if the if the Bengals win, that game will be in Buffalo or Kansas City. That's that's actually tough because both of the teams that are playing on the other side of it are such high scoring teams and have such a ceiling on on offense. So you'd think the Bengals would need to be the team to do it because they also have a high ceiling on offense. But 
again, the Titans are a unique squad because their offensive strategy is so different than all the teams that are remaining, especially if Derrick Henry comes back and is effective. I mean, we saw them beat the Chiefs and beat the Bills this year with the formula Mm -hmm. of Derrick Henry. So I'm going to go with the Titans because I said they were going to go to the fucking Super Bowl. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Cleve, what do you think? Which team has a better chance to win in the next round? Titans at home or Bengals on the road against the winner of Bills Chiefs? Uh, I think Titans at home. So this is this is interesting. I don't think either of these teams stand much of a chance against the Bills. Like just the way they line up, like just the just the way the teams match up. I think the Bills are a nightmare scenario for both of them. I think Cincinnati can beat Kansas City. Ooh, we've seen that. I think already. they could. Yeah, I I think even the thing is at Arrowhead in January, like that makes it a lot harder, but. I just, I mean, the Chiefs. The Chiefs can get on top of the Titans so fast. Derrick Henry's out of the game. Tannehill's got to do it. But like, if they get up on the Bengals, what Joe Mixon's out of the game? Like, who cares? Like, just throw it to Jamar Chase and T. Anyways, but I just, I think that the Bengals can beat the Chiefs if it, if it comes to that. You're probably right, yeah. but we'll find out. Uh, the second game, the night game on Saturday, is 49ers at Packers. Uh, so my question here is, can Jimmy G beat Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau in the playoffs without playing the absolute best game he has ever played in his life? No, he has no chance. No, he has no chance because Cleve told me this earlier that uh, Bose is going to be out. And so one of the things that that defense has been able to do against Rodgers and company has been get yep. to him with four. And if they don't have their best pass rusher, I think that's going to be very difficult and I see Aaron Rodgers feeling a lot more comfortable than he has, and especially since they got a win against them earlier in the year. And so that mm-hmm. kind of got his confidence back mm-hmm. a little bit. And he has to know. If it's if it comes down to quarterback play, he's got to know. He's got to be sitting at home. Whatever his fiance wife is, he's like, I'm so much better than that guy. Like, I'm going to win. We're going to win. <laughs> he's probably watching they, uh... film with Jimmy G, and he's like, I would never fucking do that. Uh, his his wife fiance uh, you mean Trace from the Divergent series yeah sure anyways uh, these teams played on uh, September 26th and it was the Sunday night football game it was a great game Green Bay won 30-28 to Debo only had 7 touches for 52 yards so I think San Francisco's uh, oriented a bit differently now than they were than they were then this was a game where the 49ers took the lead 28 to 27 with 37 seconds left. Green Bay had no timeout. Rodgers, two plays, two passes to Devontae Adams. Mason Crosby walk off to one yarder ball game. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I think that could be interesting is if it comes down to coaching. If Shanahan has a more Shanahan like game and he's going mm-hmm. up against Matt LaFleur, who we know will kick a field goal a la Vic Fangio down seven and give the ball back to Tom Brady. So we know what the <laughs> we know what the floor is for Matt LaFleur. And if the floor for Kyle Shanahan is what we saw the other day against the Cowboys, that's not all that terrible. So it, it, it could be interesting, but I still feel like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to rule the day, so it's really not going to matter. Mm-hmm. Matt, you just rolled right past it. Matt LaFleur. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, uh, Cleve. So you, you. I mean, you had the Packers Bengals in the Super Bowl. So clearly, you think the Packers would win this game. Yeah. What What percentage of time of the time do you think the 49ers actually win this game? Hold on, say that again. So what What percentage of the time do they win it? One in five times, twenty percent. Do they win it one in six times, one in ten times? 
you know, they would they wouldn't lose like a million times in a row. Like how many how often do the 49ers actually win? I mean, I mean, given given, you know, Matt's our stat guy, but everyone think you got on a Sunday. I mean, we've seen teams collapse, but highly unlikely that that they that he's gonna beat Aaron Rodgers. I thought you were about to say 50-50. They either win oh, or they no. don't. No, no. I, I just don't I mean, you said it earlier. Like it's like it's like uh certification at the community college versus PhD level quarterback play. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't you quite uh, said it like that, but uh, yeah, sir, not that there's anything wrong with community college. I no, love yeah, community yeah. colleges, but uh, I go to Colorado State, go Rams. Oh, Rams. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the Rams, they're in the next game. Not Colorado State. That would be bad. Uh, although we do have the first tight end coming off the board this year, Trey McBride. Look him up. Uh, you, like, you like the we there? Uh, anyways, we, uh, go. we got the Rams at the Bucks. These teams also played on September 26th. The Rams won 34 to 24. And this was a game where the Rams, they just controlled it all the way throughout. They never were behind. Brady never really threatened them that much. And the Rams just dominated this game from start to finish. Tom remembers. Tom yeah. remembers. But Tom also had Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown in this game and still got trounced. Doesn't matter. That's the thing. <clears throat> yeah. is he's better now. He's throwing to the dead corpse of Marv Levy, or excuse me, the living corpse of Mark Le- Marv Levy, <laughs> yes, as we talked about last week. <laughs> Sorry, Marv. I don't think it matters. I, I think Brady Brady yeah. seems to not care who it is. Like It's, it's incredible, but I think this is going to be a track meet. I, I, I like this to be a high-scoring game, which means Bucks 16-13. <laughs> well, I uh, I made one note on this game and Cleve, let me know if you think that this is uh, important or how important it is. But this is the furthest Matt Stafford has ever been in the playoffs. Yeah, and Tom Brady crazy. normally starts the playoffs at this point because he normally has a bye. Yeah, I I heard that somewhere. Not not exactly verbatim for that, but I it blew my mind because it brought me to reality. I'm like, he spent 13 years in Detroit and never got this far. That is insane to me, dude. Yeah, I, I have a Tom Brady stat for the positivity of the week to, to tease it a little bit. So, Okay, ag- excellent. And so, yeah, I mean, we touched on this a little bit here, but my last note for this game is that while the Bucks overwhelmed the Eagles, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey are all excellent players with no Godwin and no AB. For and that's questionable, but I think he's going to be back. Like, are the Bucks? are we really looking too much past the, the talent that the Rams have on this defense? I mean, if, if Tom if Tom somehow goes in there and gets a win with the squad <clears throat> that is presently um, suited up to go, he's arguably the greatest quarterback to ever live. Because <laughs> again, everyone's coming in with a full a full code of everything, and he's just got the guys. And like you guys said earlier, I don't want to let Tom down. You know? Okay, but, shit. But I don't want to let thing. Tom down. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay, I, I I just want to go on record, just real quick. Fuck Tom Brady, you know. So I will let Tom down. I will let him down with my votes. I will let him down by rooting against him. Uh, I, I do no, have no, Bitcoin, no. so I won't let him so, down there. We're crypto so, girls together, but that's about so it. take away anything personal that you may have against the guy. I'm talking about just leave it into the in the football realm. You don't think he's a great football player? He is the greatest quarterback to ever play. Okay, all right, well. I He's still a dick. No, see, well, see, here's how I do my sports. Like I, I separate the person unless you're egregious piece of shit or elite piece of shit, as you like to say. Um, John, John Gruden. John, <laughs> there's a few guys on his list this year, but the 
in the field of play, I mean, his brilliance is his brilliance because who do you expect them to be this far anyway? They should have been done. They should have been done. I have nothing against Tom Brady as a football player. I think he's a great player. This sort of wishy-washy MAGA support, I like Trump, is he my friend, kind of can't figure it out sort of thing, though. I'd have more respect for him if he just came out where they had all the time like Kanye and was like, that's my dude. This is my guy. But he's sort of like floats in the wind. I just I just have time for it. I just don't have time he for got it. Sponsors I, I, I don't like and all that shit. Yeah. But I don't I don't think like I don't dislike him the same way I dislike Ben Roethlisberger. Like I actually gotcha. legitimately hate Ben Roethlisberger as a person. I do not hate Tom Brady as a person. I just Matt said I don't want to let Tom down. I just want to be very clear that I'm happy to let Tom down anytime I can. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is I know that I'll get cut from my family if I let Tom down. Giselle will make sure that I'm taken care of, and you know, she emoji out, goes out right. Taken out to that's right, taken out to pasture. Hey, I, once again, don't forget Brady was winning games for me before he was winning them for you. Yeah. So. What have you, you done know, for me lately? Uh, yeah, exactly. Do it in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, can you go back to Michigan and do it again? Because we really struggle with Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> it, anyway, if he finds if he finds some uh, some eligibility and can go back and, co- and quarterback Michigan uh, the next couple of years, I'll forgive him for the MAGA hat. All right. All right, man. Last game here, we've got the Bills at the Chiefs. This is a rematch of the AFC title game last year. Also, these teams played on October 10th the, in Kansas City. The Bills won 38-20. to 20, Crushed them. Okay, Cleve, what Kansas City Chief led the team in rushing yards in that game? In rushing yards in, in, in the previous... Uh, when they played the Bills earlier this year. What's the... Not a... What's their other quarterback's name? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A running back's name. The, the Spoiler. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's not a running back. It's not a running back? Or a wide receiver. It's Chad Henry. Or a tight end. It's Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes led him in rushing. What player led them in receiving? This is a wide receiver. What player led them in receiving? Was it Kelsey? It was Mecole Hardman. Mecole Hardman, okay. Hill and Kelsey were active. So that's kind of my point, right? So Mahomes leads in rushing. Hardman leads in receiving. This is where the Chiefs are struggling. They actually fell to two and three as a result of this game. So I think it's safe to say the Chiefs have figured some things out since then. And I don't think this last game is very instructive for how we can expect the game on Sunday to go. No, I don't know. It's going to be so fun either way. This is the game of the weekend, right? Oh, it's the game of the year. Okay, good. We're peaking early here. Can't wa- I can't wait! I can't wait for that Titans, uh, whatever crappy matchup Super Bowl that we're all looking forward to. Man. Unless we, if, if the winner of this game does not play against Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, this is the Super Bowl, probably. Right? I mean, very right. well could be. Very well yeah. could be. At least we know the Steelers aren't going to make it. Thank goodness. Yes. All right, man. You got it. Anything? Uh, anything for us? Yes, I do. So this is so great. Tom Brady is older than every remaining head coach in the NFC in the playoffs right now. Wow. That's correct. Yes. That's an amazing stat. I know. I was like, <laughs> wait, that can't be right. And then I looked at uh, McVay's yeah. 35, uh, Shanahan's 42, and uh, Matt LaFleur is 42. Tom is 44. Tom is the old, is older than every head coach remaining in the NFC. That is wild. Absolutely fucking wild. Oh, and by the way, I think yesterday was the 20-year anniversary of the Tuck Rule game. Yes, it was. Yes. and Michigan on Michigan crime. Yes. Michigan on Michigan. And I was like, this guy 
has survived so yeah, many dude. things. He's the Keith Richards of the NFL. He's going to be here after after a nuclear attack, I swear. And when I saw that stat, it just made me laugh because it's so ridiculous, but yet true. And that's why I was like, sure, yeah, he's older than every remaining head coach in the NFC playoff field. Sure, that's great. He, if he wins another Super Bowl, they got to break the rule of putting you in after five years after you retire and just put him in that Monday morning. I have one small point of contention with what Matt just said comparing Tom Brady to Keith Richards. Sure. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback yes. to ever play. And the Rolling Stones are garbage. No, I'm not. Yes, ta- I said oh, it. I, they are garbage. No, but I, at me, I, at I, me. No, they are garbage. Go to YouTube. Go to go to my social. You'll find it down there. Matt put it there. You can at me. The Rolling Stones oh, are garbage. Uh, sorry, Dad. My dad does love the Rolling Stones. It doesn't oh, matter. They're oh, garbage. My They're overrated. They're not oh. good. Right. The Rolling Stones are like Brett Favre. Tom Brady is like the Beatles. So that means that John Madden loves them. I said what I said. I said what I said. myself in this conversation because the smoke you're going to get. Man. I don't like the Rolling Stones either, but my comparison was that Keith Richards has done so many narcotics in his life that it's going to be him and the cockroaches whenever (laughs) nuclear winter hits because nothing can kill him. And that's what I'm saying about Tom is that he's just going to be like that where nothing can kill him. He's going to be the Black Knight in Monty Python. He's just always going to be here slinging dimes with no arms, no legs. He'll just always (laughs) be here. And that stat was just, I don't don't know. I I don't know why I I felt so surprised by it. But go ahead, Matt. It just tells you how how young these coaches are getting. Like they're getting younger and younger. Whereas, you know, years past, we always looked for the veteran head coach. And now... It seems as if we are hiring younger and younger head coaches. Like, for some reason, McVay being 35, I, that seems so young, and it makes me feel old because he's younger than me. Well, also, he's been coached for, like, five years. Yeah, yeah I know. So the thing is, is that, like, I'm from that era of coaches just being recycled forever until, like, how, you know, how many years was Parcells in the league? He got in the league, like, in, 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 the, in the mid-1970s. You know, and coached all the way up to like 2000, whatever, seven or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. So, it, you know, now that we're getting new blood in, it's good to see some of these young guys getting a shot because we're, we were tired of like the same guys getting jobs. You know, how many jobs, you know, did one guy get? You know, you can't, we can't keep doing that. So, yeah, they're going to be some younger guys. Cleve, I don't know what you're talking about. Honestly, you said in your era, Chuck Knoll was at the Steelers forever. <laughs> Bud Grant was at the Vikings forever. Don Schultz with the Dolphins forever. Tom Landry at the Cowboys forever. What exactly was this turnover in your era? No, wh- what I'm talking about <laughs> until until uh, until the Bengals had let go of their coach. Um, Marvin, we Lewis. all remember, huh? Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis. Yeah, Marvin Lewis. We all remember. He he had the longest tenure, but. It was the same guys getting jobs, you know. We took a cast away from the <laughs> from the Finns and Adam Gase, and I'm like, how do you get a job in the same division a year later with the same coaching style and fuck up another team? So like, yeah, J E T S Jets Jets Jets. Oh, I was gonna say season. he's white, so uh, but there's that too. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just you know, I mean, I don't that that is an amazing um, stat. And kind of interesting because I think Tom Brady has his own trivia because it's, it's when you hear things, you're like, wow, he's been around for a long time and he's seen a lot. But like I said, if, if they go to another Super Bowl with this guy at the helm, I'm telling you, he needs to go into the Hall of Fame like that Monday. 
I like it. He just keeps getting inducted into the Hall of Fame every single year just because it's like, well, Jesus Christ, at some point you have to retire. So let's keep yeah. doing this. <laughs> Speaking of which, Dave, you said a name, and we're going to go off a tangent here, but you said a name that uh, I looked up. Bud Grant, still with us, by the way, 94 years old. And um, wow. apparently he was on Le- he, they Levitard used to have him on every year because he has a famous yard sale every year where he does basically like an estate sale every year. Like his kids are involved in everything. And it is like lines of cars there's official like cash registers and stuff like that and it's in his yard and he apparently has it looped off where you can only get there at a certain time and he's selling like memorabilia his kids are in there selling all this other stuff and i just was like this guy he took no shit like there was no haggling nothing he's like the price is exactly what it is take it (laughs) or fucking leave it and but it is amazing because i think of bud grant coaching before marv levy and marv levy is older than bud grant yeah, that's crazy, bro. As that we established crazy. last week, Mar Levy's still with us. I'm sorry I killed him again earlier. That's another fine for me. But he's still with us. And Bud Grant, I thought, would have been like 150 years old. But he's younger than Marv Levy. So that just again proves that Marv Levy was old when we were young. Shuffling, shuffling what we've done last week, do any of you have a, a change in your Super Bowl pick? Or are you guys standing with, with who you... With no, I, I think I'm going to stick with the Bills and the Cowboys. You know, I really like the Cowboys' chances this week. I think Mike McCarthy's going to really collect himself, his thoughts, come up with a good game plan, come out here and coach a good game this week. That's what I think. I'm going to get you a Mike McCarthy jersey. I, oh. I will fight you. I will lose, but it's about honor, so I will fight you. That might be a Super Bowl bet. I'm going to get you a jersey made. I mean, you got to wear it. I, I did see a, a stat that that was unfair about how Tony Romo and Dak Prescott are one and three in their first playoff four, four Damn, playoff games like that. Fucked up, and they were trying to use it to compare Dak to Tony Romo. And they're like, well, if you're in the same realm as Tony Romo, then that's a bad thing. And I'm like, there's so much context around those stats. And first of all, we always say wins aren't a quarterback stat, but yet conveniently we're throwing out stats like this to give us some context. But like, Jason Garrett was the coach when Tony Romo was there for the most part. So is that really a fair comparison? Like, are we going to sit here and say that Mike McCarthy and Jason Garrett are not the same guy, basically, or of the same caliber of coach? And is that really on, is that really on Dak and Tony Romo? Like, look at Aaron Rodgers, can't get past the conference championship game except that one time. And he's had now two different coaches. So like, there's so much context that goes into it. I thought that was an unfair comparison for Dak and also for Tony Romo. Yeah, I would say that. I don't know. That's just me. I, I I just was like, why do people seem to think that Tony Romo wasn't good? I'm, I mean, he. I mean, you know what I mean. Like he was. He was good though. Yeah, Tony Romo was very good. I yeah. Don't, I really. I don't. I don't get that. Uh, I don't. I don't get that hate. That hate at all. I always thought Tony Romo was really good. I don't get it either. And I think it's a bunch of Cowboys fans who never thought they should have switched to Dak in 2016. Who thought they should have brought Romo back in for the playoffs and. I just was not that guy. I thought, hey, look, you have you have found something in this backup. You got to go with it. And the Patriots went with it and won a Super Bowl. So, like, why would the Cowboys fans want to switch? I don't know. It, it, it was a strange thing. There's a lot of Cowboys fans who still want Tony Romo back. But they ain't getting <laughs> the back. Cr- that's crazy, too, because Dak is better than Tony Romo. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was, I, that's what I was going to say. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I would I would have to revisit that and. I'm always going to land on Dak being better. Well, imagine if Dak played with a head coach that knew what he was doing, that knew how to maximize the talent. Like, obviously, we know what Dak's ceiling is because that the first five games last year before we had that had that injury, he looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the team stunk, but he looked great. Anyway, 
didn't mean to get us off on this tangent. No, it's all it's all good. Uh, yeah, no, I sort of liked having the the discussion there. And uh, yeah, you mentioned so real quick about Bud Grant. Uh, turns out I found out uh, that apparently Bud Grant did not allow, did not allow the Vikings to have heaters on the sidelines for games. Man. So I'm not surprised that he does not take any grief at his yard sale. That's true. Wow, man. I mean, whew. <laughs> Bud Grant, they, they, they don't make him quite like Bud Grant anymore. We're a little bit more employee friendly these days in the NFL. So, I mean, especially with the Cowboys and football team traveling with their own heated benches now on the road. So clearly That's Bud great. Grant could not survive in today's NFL. Well, Super Wild Card Weekend. We made it sound a lot better than it actually was. Uh, for the most part, I think it was a dud, but it got that rant out of out of out of Dave, and so I think it was totally worth it for the Cowboys. And uh, I'm very very glad that the listeners know just how much you love Mike McCarthy, and you will be sending him his flowers, as Cleve likes to say. Um, but next week's going to be fun. I think now we finally figured it out. We've got the best teams that are left. And we should have just started the fucking playoffs this week and just skipped all of whatever happened last week and just get to here. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, guys. I really am. And uh, yeah. I'll actually watch this week because there's actually good teams that are playing football now. Oh, yeah. And I think it's much more worth my time and analysis. So you guys got anything before we get out of here and get into next week? I, uh, I actually don't have anything. Uh, I think that these games are going to be excellent. And because the Cowboys are out, I will officially change my pick for the Super Bowl. It is not based on who I think is going to go. I'm just rooting for Matt Stafford. Let's go Rams. I think that's fair. <laughs> I think that is fair. Uh, Cleve will be rooting for Aaron Rodgers, even though he doesn't yeah. like him as a person, but he likes him as a football player. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it is what it is. So We all got that guy. First of all, we hope you enjoyed the first video iteration. We had uh, had a lot of fun here, and you can find all the social media handles uh, on here. And, you know, this is kind of a new thing we're testing out. So podcasting, video, no matter what it is, follow us, find us, listen to us, share us. It, it means the world to uh, us. So um, one, one thing, one thing. Yes. You got to say, because it's YouTube now. What is the like and subscribe? Oh, yeah. Like and subscribe. Like yeah. and subscribe. Like and subscribe. We can spam Thank that you. if you want. And uh, m- remember to like and subscribe. Remember to uh, like and subscribe to Dave. Uh, like and subscribe. And uh, rate, review, rate, review, rate, review. Subscribe, subscribe, like, rate, review. Okay, we got it out of our system. We never have to say it again. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in this week to political. Yeah, thank you for tuning in this week to political football, fellas. I'll see you next week, and everybody, we will actually see you all next week. Take care, guys. We see you. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on political football are those of Cleve, Dave, Matt Freights, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Maddie Ice Media Network. Political football is exclusively owned by Cleve, Dave, and Matt Freights, and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.